Hello, beautiful listeners. I hope everybody had a great Halloween. Hope it was filled with lots of Reese's Cups, cleavage, and haunted houses. Just what Halloween is for, right? It's kind of the main uh, the main show is coming up. Halloween's just the opening act. We got Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. The holiday season approaches. Maybe some of you hate it. Some of you love it. If you enjoy spending time with your family, I hope you're doing that. I'm up in Northern California in my home area for the next few months, able to actually spend some quality time with the family um, before I leave again. So pretty excited about that. And in the season of Thanksgiving, or the time of Thanksgiving coming up, felt it was appropriate to take a second here and express my supreme gratitude and appreciation For all of you listening right now, at this very moment, you with the headphones in at the gym on the elliptical, working on those glutes stuck in traffic in LA, in New York, maybe you're in Buenos Aires, I don't know where you are, maybe you're walking your dog, or maybe you're picking your dog's shit up, maybe you're doing the inside out baggy thing on that little weird grass spot in between the road and the sidewalk it's on the sidewalk but it's like this the two foot little stretch of grass maybe you're picking up your dog shit right there listening to this right now bending over listening to my voice so that's cool i appreciate you listening and uh i really appreciate all the comments i've gotten lately some texts some emails um even had a friend of mine that texted me after the last episode with jesse and she said i loved it but You use a lot of filler words, something to work on. So I re-listened to it, and I sound like a valley girl. I think I said like about 352 times. So that is definitely something to work on, constructive criticism. Um, I really appreciate it, and I hope, you know, let me know if something is needs to be fixed on this podcast. Definitely let me know, and if something is going really well, then let me know as well. Uh, and you know, I hope that after each guest I have on, after you guys listen, I just want everyone to listen and, and it opens something up for them that they needed to be opened, or maybe it closes something that needed to be closed. Whatever it is, we're going for potential here, people. We're going for fucking potential. That's really all there is. That's what I believe in the most: potential for all of us to go beyond our self-imposed limitations. If they're self-imposed, it's a beautiful thing because we put them there and now we can take them away. So um, that's what I hope after listening to this podcast that it just leaves you a little bit better off than when you started listening to it. Um, So if it's not doing that, then stop listening and let me know (laughs) why you stopped listening. And if it is... Leave me some reviews. Send me some messages so I can keep working towards crafting that type of experience for all of you. So, with that in mind, I have uh, Zach up for this podcast episode. Uh, Name has been changed to protect the information shared. And uh, he was in the U.S. Army and uh, now has uh, PTSD symptoms, which is affecting millions of Americans who have courageously gone overseas 
Whether you agree with the politics or not to protect this country, and now they are coming back and not being taken care of. So, talk about a waste of potential. So, I hope you um, get some insight and enjoy listening to this podcast. Leave me some reviews on iTunes. Um, Leave me some more comments and messages, and I will see you guys on the next show. Ciao. Welcome to Pull Up a Seat with your host, Alex Starr. Here with Zach. Thanks for coming on, dude. Um, the f- first thing I wanted to say is thank you. No problem, man. For coming on, dude. No, because barring all military service aside, in my personal opinion, what to come on and, and at least give your side of the story and what other people deal with and stuff is, I think, the most brave thing you can do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so thanks for coming on, dude. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Um, from a from a civilian standpoint, this is what always boggles my mind. Okay, mm-hmm. is that we're sitting here in a nice backyard, right? I'm visiting, but like you know, as you go around the regular the country as a civilian. Life goes on per usual, per fucking usual, right? Yes. I'm strolling around. I'm deciding what I'm going to get from the market, my work. Life goes on. I have no idea. The only image I have of what's going on is what I see on the news. Maybe if I if I go on like Vice and try and find some documentary. But I don't know what the fuck is going on over there. I think most people don't. Um. um so... Yeah, I just wanted to... How did you start in the... How did you get into it? How old were you? Um, I wanted to join from a really young age. Because my, uh, my dad's dad was in the army. He joined, like, within a week after Pearl Harbor. Oh, okay. And went to Europe, which is funny because he joined Pride to Fight the Japanese. And both of his parents had emigrated to the U.S. from Germany. Oh, really? So he joined the army. And he joined early enough to where um, he went to... He went to North Africa, was part of that. He was involved in the the landings in Italy, and then from there uh, was part of the Normandy invasion, and then oh, no got out of the army. So he joined forty one, like the last you know week of December forty one, and then didn't get home until nineteen forty six. So like hearing like his stories when I was younger. And, like, hearing his stories from, like, my dad and uncle, like, my whole life, like, that's what I want to do. I want to join the Army. Nice. And then uh, yeah. September 11th happened when I was a uh, freshman in high school. And, like, it enraged me, obviously. But then there was kind of, like, this notion of, like, oh, thank God. Now there's going to be a war. Like, awesome. You were so, stoked that you were able to go be a part yeah. of it. Okay. So I tried to join when I was 17. I was going to graduate high school early and go in. And my, it was during the surge, like... Uh, right after the the second battle of Fallujah in 2004, uh, before I turned 18, 
And when they were building up for the surge, my parents were like, no, 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 no. They called horse shit on that. And they're like, if you want to join the military, like, go to college first and be an officer. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So I tried that for a few years after I graduated from high school. Where'd you go? Um, I went to a community college. Okay. And uh, then I just kind of called horse shit on college. I was like, nope, just want to be enlisted. So I joined. You're 20 at this point? I was 22 when I joined. Okay. I, I didn't go to school full time. <laughs> it's community college. There's partying, community college partying to be done and yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I actually joined the Army on my 22nd birthday. Uh, the girl I was dating at the time, I was like, hey, like I'm going to do this. Like I've always wanted to do it. And she's like, oh, I support you. Like I'll stay with you and all that. So I joined on my birthday. I get back from uh, MEPS, the like intake place where they, you know, look at your asshole and balls and you give blood and have to pee in a cup and all this dumb shit. Yeah. And then uh, I get back. She's like, we need to talk. She's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And just like bounced and started blowing some weird, like old ass hipster dude that writes poetry and cries. I was like, whatever. Does he have a man bun? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, that wasn't cool at the time. Uh, he had like the 50s dad haircut okay. and like the shitty little beard. Okay. Uh, That's always a bummer. It's whatever. Like, it, like it pissed me off at the time because I was younger. But like now, it's you know just a funny story. Sure. Like, ah, ha ha ha. Totally. But uh, so yeah, then I left for basic training, and uh, I had assumed that you know we were going to get yelled at and and shit like that. You know, do push-ups. Um, yeah, it was it was a vicious thing. Like the like. So you, you show up to basic training. And this is Army basic training. Yes, Army. Okay. Army infantry in the Fort Fort Benning, Georgia. You know, 16 weeks of just uh, one-station unit training or OSUT uh, combat training. And uh, we show up, and, like, the first drill sergeants you see, we don't, you don't know this at the time, but they're not they're not real, like, drill sergeants. Like, they they just work at uh, 30th AG, the reception area. Okay. And they're not allowed to fuck you up. They're just supposed to be, like, intimidating and, like, scare you. But they can't really do anything. Right. So we, I was there for a week and got used to them. I was like, oh, this is what basic training is going to be like. It's going to be easy as fuck. Then our real drill sergeants picked us up, and they were calm and everything. And then we showed up to the barracks. They, uh, you know, we got off the bus. There's, like, smoke bombs going off. No like way. They're, like, shooting blanks, yelling at us, all this shit. You had to grab your duffel bags and all this shit and, like, run, like, a mile and then run to, like, the barracks area. Again, the push-up position. And, like, the first direct quote I heard from my, my drill sergeant, um, who's a fucking vicious psychopath I found out later, was, like, you know, when you're in the, the front lane rest, the push-up position, he's like, faggots go to their knees and bitches put their ass in the air. And they're like, if you have bitch in your heart, get the fuck out of here. Just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, dudes are, like, throwing up because they're civilians and they never run, like, further than, like, right. the corner store to get more Nutella or whatever the fuck <laughs> they're doing. Um, and then, like, it's just confusing totally because in that environment like you're sitting there like you've you've been awake for like three days at this point pretty much like getting uh, doing your intake into the army you're exhausted and you're sitting there getting yelled at by these dudes in like your squad bay you're looking around at the other dudes and they're the ugliest human beings you will ever see in life like they're all in like their boxers just like fat gross dudes nutella like, yeah nutella yeah um fat gross dudes just like ugly human beings from like the midwest where like mm -hmm. I'm sure there's some degree of inbreeding, like not like sister on brother, but like un unbeknownst to them, like distant cousins just that keep marrying. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, shit, and you're just like, what the fuck have I done? Uh -huh. um, there's that moment 
in all endeavors where yeah. you, you hit that what am I doing here? Totally. And then uh yeah, that's just, you know, sixteen weeks of like getting treated like shit. Uh like you learn how to shoot the way the army wants you to, you learn like uh mount like military operations and urbanized terrain, um how to do like mounted patrols and vehicles. This uh, is all within the sixteen weeks. Yeah. So it's training plus breaking you down. Uh yeah. First aid, how to call in like a medevac, like all your basic like soldiering cool. tasks. Yeah. Uh you have to learn a bunch of like learning cadences while you're running, like just because like the military in general, every branch is just kind of like a fucked up Mickey Mouse club. Like there's a whole lot of singing involved. What what, what do you mean? Like you have to like in our case, like um, the army song. You have to learn the army song. Okay. Like you have to learn a Mickey Mouse club. Like the soldiers' creed, the infantry creed. You have to like when you're running, like running or marching, you'll sing cadences like to keep step, and also okay. it's just way super boring to hear someone for an extended period of time saying left right left yeah left right you know mm-hmm. so you sing um yeah so it's like a fucked up mickey mouse club like it's like um it's like a musical except it's not like endearing or anything it's just like <laughs> gross and offensive <laughs> but uh yeah so that's you a, have really good descriptions so right far. yeah really good analogies yeah you know? great great yeah you know i'm also good at like uh, hypotheticals like one, a popular one in the army, the two most popular ones, um, at least in the infantry, I don't know about the rest of the army, is the infantry walks a razor's edge between, like, a dude's bored and just coming up with funny questions and dudes just being gay as fuck. Okay. So you'll come up with questions like, how, like you know, how much would it cost for you to suck a dick? Right. Usually people start out like, oh, a million, or I would never do that. Dude, if they're out in the field for long enough and they're tired and hungry and they run out of dip or cigarettes or whatever they do, like that number starts dropping. <laughs> okay. Like, and it goes down to like, you know, like six digits and then five. And sometimes if things are shitty enough, you end up in like the two digits. Like, or even if I could go home right now, I'd suck everyone's. Like, <laughs> if you go home, okay, yeah. Um, a really good thought exercise, actually, the best one I've ever heard in the army in terms of that is uh, is it gayer for two dudes to suck one dick? Or one dude to suck two dicks. Dude, I've the past like two podcasts, <laughs> people have mentioned dicks, and Jesse mentioned on the last one of like, yeah, I'm gonna mention dick because there's dicks mentioning, and now you're continuing the tradition without even knowing that. So well, I can tell you this congratulations about, about Jesse that uh, I believe he's of the same thought process as me that it doesn't matter how many dicks you add to the equation, it doesn't make it any worse. But if you had to like look eye to eye with another dude and like swap spit while like moaning on like a hog. That's probably worse than just having two in your <laughs> mouth at once. Sure, but, sure. I mean, it's... So you're... Occam's razor would dictate. Yeah. So you're at the end of the 16-week training period. Mm-hmm. And how... You're 22 now. You're still yeah. 22. It's been four months. And how soon after that do you get deployed? Because this is 2000... What did you say? 2000... This is probably 2006 then? This is 2010. Oh, 2010. 10 now going I... into 11. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, after basic, I had hometown recruiting, so I got to go home for two weeks and, uh, help my recruiter. All that really happened is I went home. I was supposed to help him, but everyone that came in didn't want to do infantry and I was just harassing them because, you know, I was high on the smell of my own piss and just like, like the infantry's the shit, woo, that type of shit. So he just signed off on my paperwork. He's like, just don't come back. All right. You're good. So hung out with my friends, bullshitted around and then, uh, reported to my unit. And then 
that was a whole new level of thing. Uh, you report to your unit, your actual like uh, brigade, battalion, and company pick you up. And then you start getting fucked up by the specialists and uh, corporals uh, all the time. For how long? Oh, just until you're a specialist. But I, okay, so what were you? What were you training for? What was your specialty? Infantry. I was when I first showed up. I was uh, well, I was an infantryman. That was my MOS. But when I got to the unit, I became uh, a saw gunner. That's usually how it goes. Is hold on a second. Is that a Coast Guard chopper? That was weird. Yeah, I think it was. Is the uh, the new go. guys are usually placed as either machine gunners, either on the um, 240 Bravo or the saw, the M249 squad automatic weapon, which is actually contrary to what the army wants, where they want an experienced guy in the machine gun, but the newest guy usually gets fucked and has to carry the heaviest okay. weapon. Okay. So uh, I showed up, got put in my platoon, got a got assigned to be a saw gunner. Um, and then grenadier, then rifleman, then machine gunner, then back to saw gunner. And uh, I did that. I was at, with my unit in, in America and Garrison for about a year and a half before we deployed. Um, because when I showed up to the unit, they had just gotten back from a deployment. So they're okay. in their uh, reset cycle. How long is the reset? Uh, it varies. Like, it's... I think the army wants like a year and a half to two years. Okay. But sometimes like during Iraq, like I've heard of like, they got like six months to a year and then back out. Yeah. And a tour is how long? Uh, it used to be 12 months or longer. Like we had dudes who had been deployed for 15 to 18 months wow. in Iraq. Um, but they would get two weeks of R and R where they could come home for two weeks during their deployment. The army decided to stop doing that and decided to do nine month deployments but there's no R and R, so okay. you're just nine months straight. Nine months, which ago. that's another debate on which one is more pleasant. Like yeah. if you're there for twelve months, get two weeks home, you still get paid more money. And it's only it's only six months mentally, mm -hmm. you know. You take it right in between. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, though it it probably is really horrible, you know, getting shot at every day for like six months or however long, coming home. You know, yeah, that's true. Getting yeah. your dick sucked, and then knowing that like I'm going to hop on this plane and go back to getting yeah, shot at. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, we, I had a buddy, the sergeant actually, he was a friend off work, but you know, my superior at work who he was from San Diego and he went on leave during the deployment before I got there and he was playing soccer at like a park and like, um, these like kids, like gangbanger, like teenagers came up, started hassling him and beat his fucking ass. So he comes from Afghanistan and gets beat up in his hometown and then has to go Where back. Where was this at? Like Logan Park in uh, or whatever in uh, San Diego, like a really shitty part of San Diego. Oh. <laughs> he got beat with a tricycle, too. That was part of it. What the fuck? Yeah, they took like a, a kid's tricycle and beat him with it. Dude, the, <laughs> it doesn't get much more ironic than that. And then when he got back, he got uh, hit by an R, like RPG shrapnel. And uh, he got all fucked up. He had scars all over his, like, upper torso. So, yeah, shit like that happened. Jesus, yeah. So what was the day like? What, do you remember the date that you got deployed? What was that day like? Were you stoked? Were you? Um, Yeah, I had uh, spent the night before hanging out with this girl that I had been talking to and um, showing her all the different stuff my penis could do. And then... It's uh, <laughs> always... <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And uh, then she she drove me to base. They're not very versatile, but yeah. Okay. Oh, you know. You, yeah. Different tricks. Yeah, different tricks, sure. Uh, so she drove you there? She drove me there. Um, we, we like, queued up and all that. Uh, took a bus to the airport and uh, waited. Hopped on the plane. Flew to Alaska. Okay. Got off the plane. Took a break. 
hopped back on the plane, flew to Kyrgyzstan, um, got off the plane, got our like transient barracks for however long we had to be in Kyrgyzstan before they could fly us into Afghanistan to Bagram airfield. Um, then from, yeah, Bagram, we had to go to Jalalabad airfield to hop on helicopters to take us to our final destination in Kunar province in uh, eastern Afghanistan in the Pesh River Valley. So, yeah, it was just a really long fucking day. Yeah. And on the flight, the staff sergeant, like, hey, man, you having trouble sleeping? I'm like, yeah, dude. He's like, oh, here's some sleeping pills. I'm like, oh, sick. Well, I took them. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting sleepy. And the next thing I know is I wake up and I have like drool all over my crotch. And, like, my iPod's on the ground. And I'm like, hey, man, what the fuck were those? He's like, oh, those were Somas. I'm like, that's not a fucking sleeping pill, you oh, dick. God, dude. <laughs> so, there's that. Yeah, it was just a, a really long. And when you show up, you're there for how long did they tell you you're going to be? What was your tour supposed to be? It was supposed to be nine months. Um, it could go to ten, but it was it was nine. They, were like, you anxious? Uh, not really. Scared, like I was stoked? Like, because okay. you're just like, like. Rushing, 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 waiting, 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 rushing, 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 doing a bunch of shit so you didn't have time to think. The only time it really hit me was at um, at Jaff, Jalalabad Airfield. They showed us like a video, like mandatory training video on IEDs. And it showed like just trucks getting blown the fuck up, dudes getting their like legs ripped off. like. And that's when it finally hit me like, oh shit, but this is like real. And I felt like I was going to puke. Yeah. But I didn't. Kept it down. Didn't want to look, yeah, like, didn't want to look like a bitch. You never want to be the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, like, we finally showed up um, to where we were, did left seat, right seat patrols with the unit we were replacing, where they show us where everything is. Um, Not going to name any units, but this particular battalion, anytime they took contact in any, like, certain area, they would just not go there again. Like, they would just, like, plan their patrols to avoid the problem areas. Okay. Which is... So can you can you real quick can you explain when you say you're you're with a particular battalion mm-hmm. what does that consist of? Um, so well, I'll start from smallest to biggest. So at the smallest level, you have your fire team, which is uh, your team leader, and if it's a, a line unit, you have so you have team leader, rifleman, grenadier, and uh, saw gunner underneath the team leader. There's two teams per squad, so you have two of those that are the same setup, and then a squad leader. There's four squads in a in a platoon. Okay. Uh, fourth squad is weapon squad. So you have that's where the the medium machine guns are, the two forties, okay. and the anti armor guys. But since we're not fighting Russia or China, like they don't really have a job. They just carry ammo for the machine guns. Um, then you have three line platoons in a company, with headquarters platoon is like the office bitches, and they don't really do anything, so no one really likes them. Uh, and then you have, let's see. Squad, platoon, uh, company. team, squad, platoon, company, and then in a battalion you have um, you have five companies. Uh, Alpha, Bravo, and Charlie are regular line companies, like I just described. Okay. Delta is a heavy weapons company, so they have okay. like trucks with like uh, fifty cows or Mike okay. 19s, tow missiles, that type of shit. And then either Echo or Fox. In our case, Fox. Um, they're like your mechanics and shit like okay. that. So, so a, is a battalion a all-inclusive, comprehensive kind of like self-sufficient unit? That no. If you go out with one battalion, then like it has everything needed, or no, it doesn't no. have everything needed because your battalions okay. are either like in our case we were an infantry battalion. Okay, brigades are the uh, the next one up. So you in like uh, what I deployed under the army recently changed. It. I'm not sure on how it's set now, but we had I was a light infantryman, so we had two 
infantry battalions, our cavalry squadron, our artillery battery, and then your um, brigade uh, support battalion that handles like food, like gain all that shit, like uh, like everything to support the logistics. Brigade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the brigade is a uh, a self sufficient unit. So every division had at least four brigades when I was when I was deployed. So like for deployments, because before we invaded Iraq, the army was still set up for like division level operations, like we were going to fight Russia. But that's not really that efficient for waging a counterinsurgency. So they changed it to make each brigade like modular. So you could like you have, you know, your four brigades and you could be like, okay, you know, first brigade from this division, you know, first brigade, first ID is going to deploy. Okay. And so you could just piecemeal together what you needed okay. instead of having to like send a whole division, mass- which okay. is yeah, okay. historically like 20,000 men. Right. But it's usually more than that now. Okay. So, okay, yeah. so you're in that battalion, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what are your what are your initial objectives when you get there? You guys get you got your barracks set up. I'd imagine there's a um wasn't command post. It wasn't uh, barracks. Like we were on a little um, combat outpost, so we had like these these like rooms that I'm assuming the Russians had built when they were there. They were old as fuck, and we put up like plywood to make like semblance of rooms, but it wasn't okay. very good. Like you just hear like your neighbors like aggressively jerking off or fighting with their wives on Skype. Um, or in some people's cases, like just gross sounds, them like fucking like a pocket pussy. Just like, oh God, I hate these people so much. Jesus, dude. Uh, that's what, that's like your relaxation time to yeah. come back to. Yeah. But we didn't get a lot of that because, um, we were there during, during the fighting season, during Ramadan in like probably arguably like arguably Kandahar and Kunar are the worst provinces in Afghanistan. And where were you? Kunar. Uh, Kandahar is the birthplace of the the Taliban, so okay. there's a lot of stuff down there. Kunar, it's like this weird, like Appalachia of Afghanistan, where they just don't want anyone there. There's like weird hillbillies, like just assholes. Um, and it's on the Pakistan border, so you have a ton of like uh, arms and stuff coming in. Yeah. So, like we were there during Ramadan when they don't eat all day, and then they get angry and they just want to fuck up Americans. Right. And uh, the unit before us had been lazy, so they had time to just like grow, like just fester and grow. So we had the benefit of having to do you know two or three day um, a day patrols or just long term patrols, like going out for like a week, going to different A and A Afghan National Army outposts or Afghan uh, National Police or their Border Patrol or whatever, whoever we were working with, yeah. and just you know fucking shit up. Um, we re-cleared that, that valley, uh, that the, that Marine Dakota Meyer got the medal of honor in. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty shitty place to be like, what were your objectives day to day? Uh, we were, our, our overall objective was to build relations with friendly villages and route out like insurgent activity, whether that was the Taliban HQZ network, Pakistan Taliban, or just whatever element. Cause you you don't really know, like you just, you just say the Taliban, but it could just be some like splinter group that has nothing to do with the Taliban. It's right. just pretty much, right. <clears throat> pretty much support the locals that support America and fuck up anyone that was trying to like fuck us up. Um, okay. So yeah, that was pretty much our job was to fuck shit up. Okay. Yeah. So I would imagine that consisted of like clearing buildings, clearing neighborhoods. Yeah, you would go, um, you go to friendly villages and have shuras like meetings with their elders and, you know, 
give them stuff or like try and like see how you can help them maintain good relations. Yeah. Um, or you just go, you do like route clearance patrol where the engineers, like the EOD guys would be clearing like the roads and you would have, you'd be their security element to protect them. Uh, overwatch for like, uh, resupply convoys. Like you'd, you'd go to key areas and just like overwatch it. So they didn't get ambushed. Um, raids like if there was like a high value target in hvt like you know you'd get the village in the building and then just roll in there and ruin their fucking life uh yeah so did what stepping away after total months you were there how long uh nine nine months so after nine months stepping away better or worse than when you came in um towards the end of our deployment uh it really died down like the the Taliban in our in our area was no longer combat effective. Like we had fucked their life up. Like okay. they couldn't really fight. They could do like an IED here or there, but towards the end, they weren't even fighting anymore. And that was also around the time it was actually towards the end of my deployment where the Taliban approached the Afghan national government to try and have peace talks. So the Taliban had realized that they were losing towards the end of our deployment. So right. it felt pretty good coming home. And then this shit just happened in uh, uh Kundas or whatever where you know, the Taliban, like, fucking almost overran the town. Like, this shouldn't be happening. I don't understand, like, I don't understand what's happening in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, how this has happened. While you're there or when you come back? Like, now, like, you know, uh, two years removed. Like, it seems like like we won Iraq. Like, there's no insurgency there when we left. Yeah. Like, in Afghanistan, like, it, by 2013, like, the Taliban was a broken enemy. And now it's just, like... We didn't finish the fucking job, it feels like, and it's... What do you think about, from your insider perspective and being there and seeing how the system works from the inside, um, what do you think about when you hear, like, people, you know, it's like, it's the military-industrial complex. Of course, you guys aren't done there, because there's always going to be someone to fight. A, there's oil over there. Okay. B, there's... What do, you, what, do you, what do you say to that? Well... From what you saw. Afghanistan doesn't have oil. Um, they have, like, helium deposits, shit like that. Uh, but there's no infrastructure to really get it. Plus America has huge helium deposits. So there's like, are we going to wage a war for helium? Yeah. Probably not. Um, or just in like the fact of like the military industrial complex, you hear people say, well, it has to stay busy. It has to do something. Well, I mean, so, if you look at like during the nineties, it stayed busy too. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. No, it has been for so, a while. Sure. Yeah. So you don't even need a war to keep it busy. And this isn't the type of war that would even be good for them. Like what would be good if there was like a true, like military industrial complex, like pulling the strings and all that shit is like a massive, like, like world war would be very good. Cause then you could produce just huge amounts of equipment. Just, you know, like the old pictures of world war two, where it's just big ass warehouses and just rows of tanks and fucking bombers and all that shit. And the whole like civilian populations, like, organized to like build shit like so you have like all the males in service getting issued this equipment everyone back home who either can't fight or like women and stuff is like are building tanks airplanes and ships that would be good for business what isn't good is limited orders of like oh we need you know ten thousand you know mrap trucks like that's yeah it's money but it's not like that type of massive amount of money that people think because like Okay, that's interesting because I think a lot of people, myself included, get the idea from the media or from what I read that, which makes sense. I mean, I think there is a certain extent of like pork barrel spending, gerrymandering, where it like creates this 
jobs based on like, hey, we need an F-10 fighter for the military, so let's create it in Oh, that shit does happen. Like the whole... um... All the gear that's created. But it's interesting that you don't, you think that it's not big enough to really be a... It's it's not like a a massive thing. Like there is definitely like, you know, uh, back scratching where like some general gets out endorses some product and because his name's attached the army will adopt it like we got issued um like crotch protectors they're like ballistic diapers Mm -hmm. you know so you didn't get your junk blown off yeah but even then if something went off it would rip your legs off and you'd probably bleed to death the only difference being is you still have your junk but you look like an asshole wearing a camouflage kevlar diaper okay (laughs) um and shit like that or like the the current army uniform that they're getting rid of like the acu that gray bullshit there is no way that did not get adopted without someone like attaching their name to it. And, Politics. Like, yeah. Okay. So like individuals definitely get rich off of bullshit that the military does. Like, right. Okay. Cause it's a huge thing. Um, and at, at the top level, like they're really out of tune with what, like, cause the army, like it sounds shitty, but the entire army revolves around the infantry because that's the army's job. Land, land combat. Right. So, Every job is there to support the infantry. All the logistics, armor's there to support the infantry. Depending on if it's like a tank-on-tank battle, then the infantry supports the tanks. But by and large, like artillery supports the infantry. Um, And the top leadership of the army is very rarely infantrymen. So they approve all this shit that they think is going to be like fucking good, but they have no frame of reference for how it's going to work because they don't do that. Right. They're sitting in an office at the Pentagon and it's like, oh, that looks really tactical and cool. The guys need that. But these are the same people who, you know, haven't slept outside in terms of their military service in, you know, over 20 years. And then they see, like, filthy, like, infantrymen on the field. Like, oh, my God, why is your uniform dirty? (laughs) Like, you smell like a a bum's nutsack. And it's like, well, I'm doing my fucking job, dude. Right, yeah. It's always the the people at the top of the pyramid always make the decisions when they're not out there. They're not. Yeah. They're not making the. They're it's, not doing the dirty work, and they're making the, the hardest choices that decide the, the lives of the people that are actually doing it. Well, it's like the horse shit they just tried to pull. Like, um, like the army was cool with tattoos, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as long as it wasn't your neck, face, or hands. Yeah, I heard, that, yeah I heard it, was, it can't be past your wrist. A buddy of mine tried to do it, and he had a tattoo that went, like, slightly onto his hand. They can they, wave shit like that, but okay. just for the sake of this, like, no hands, neck, or face. Okay. Or hands. Did I say that? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then they tried to be like, nope. Nope, no visible tattoos and in, in, uh, shorts or T-shirt. And then the new sergeant major of the army, thank God, got people's opinion, like en- enlisted personnel. And they're like, yeah, like we want tattoos. And he was like, I had no idea this was such a big thing. It's like, well, it's your, <laughs> dude, I respect you. Like you're sergeant major of the army. Like I think you're, you're also 60 something years old. Right? But like, how can you be that out of touch? Like go to any military base yeah. and look right outside the gate. There's four things you'll always see outside a military base. Payday advance, pawn shop, strip club liquor store and a motherfucking tattoo shop five things my bad <laughs> um and then surrounding those you'll see ads for you know 200 dollars divorce lawyer because idiots in the military like to get a lap dance from some stripper with five kids from five different dads and then get married be like we're in love and it doesn't work out let's be fair yeah well <laughs> that, that makes sense so you so yeah i, I would like to hear about bad stuff first and then hear the good stuff uh, and opposed to like what in your opinion over there is not working. what what was not what were you doing that served no purpose what went wrong what <clears throat> um 
what uh, can I, I would the, like uh, myself and the listeners to know the truth. Okay. Uh, the upper leadership trying to do this whole, like, you know, um, like winning the hearts and minds. There's, there's a lot of villages in Afghanistan that don't like the Taliban, but they also don't like us. They just don't want people there. Understandable. Um, okay. But we kept like pushing them and like, you know, trying to win them over. And it's like, dude, just leave them alone. Whatever. Uh, there's parts of Afghani culture. It's a beautiful place and there's nice people, but there's parts of it like the practice of bacha baze, which translates to child play, where grown men like to fuck younger boys. And then you hear this. Ex- so essentially you're getting forced to work with child rapists. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll hear the excuse like, oh, well, it's their culture. You can't change culture. Well, two examples real quick. Germany had a long history of anti-Semitism. Right. 1945. That changed. We changed their entire fucking culture. Right. Like Japan, like thousands of years of unbroken military tradition, the Bushido code, never been conquered or defeated. 1945, we changed that to the extent where their constitution forbids, like they renounce warfare indefinitely. So we broke their entire culture through, yeah, through nuclear warfare. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty pretty quick to break. killing everyone on islands in yeah. the Pacific. Yeah. But I mean, that's just a part of Japanese culture. They didn't, they didn't quit. That's admirable. Like mm-hmm. that they were willing to fight to the death, but yeah. at the end of the day, they lost the struggle okay. and yeah. then they lost their national identity, yeah. which was to the benefit of us, but right. it is what it is. Yeah. And um, it is, yeah. But in terms of like the three examples of like pre-World War II, Germany, Imperial Japan and Afghanistan, like, like thousands of years of just acceptable child rape is probably the most disgusting one in the equation. Yep. Like yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, so there's that, the treatment of women. Like I was in the aid station uh, one day hiding out from first sergeant. Like I was hanging out with my medic buddies because I didn't want a police call like our area. Uh-huh. Cause it's fucking horseshit. It's a garbage country. I don't need to pick up cigarette butts. Fuck them. And uh, this dude came in with his wife from the, the village right outside where we were and his wife was all beat to shit and we're like what happened man like oh she fell downstairs like no motherfucker i've seen your stupid little mud hut you don't have stairs it's one one story (laughs) and then it finally came out he's like oh she can't get pregnant like you fucking beat her and we kept prying as it turned out he had been a victim of bacha baze as a child so his only idea of the human reproductive system was butt fucking people so he got you're kidding me. So he'd been butt-fucking this girl for God knows how long they were married. Then when she wouldn't get pregnant, was beating her ass. And then so we explained it to him and blew his fucking mind. You're, sh- no pun intended, you're shitting me. No, dude. <laughs> so, like, it's shit like that, dude. Like, that the treatment of women yeah. is repugnant. Um, yeah. There's also this thing where uh, they, they fuck dudes, which is fine like this whatever you want to fuck dudes it's cool yeah like i got told all the time like oh pretty man lip kiss like kiss me on lips like really like no dude like i'm good it didn't help because one of my buddies learned enough posh tune to essentially tell them that i liked blowing dudes <laughs> that's a good friend dude yeah super good friend fuck him posh tune um, is a language posh tune is a language and the um, largest ethnic group in afghanistan the posh tunes okay. and then you have... i have you know out of all the news and things i've read i've never heard that word in my life it's Pashtuns and then Pashtuns. Okay. Then you have uh, Tajiks, Turkmen, um, like a small group of like Indians, kinda. Mm-hmm. 
This like, is all within Afghanistan. Yeah, but Pashtuns are about, I believe, like 70 to 80% of the country. Okay, and that's the biggest ethnic group, and the rest are smaller subsets. Yeah. Of, okay. And then uh, with the Pashtuns, besides Islam and Sharia law, they have an older code of conduct called um, Pashuwali, which is like their indigenous like code of conduct. And in some ways, it's it's pretty like liberal and progressive. Like women can inherit stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it's also it's also a very martial or like combative code of conduct about like honor and respect. Like that's where a lot of like uh, in Afghanistan at least like honor killings come from and shit like that. Okay. Um, but the Pashtunwali is what's what caused the British to, uh, along with like the Gurkhas and um, the Sheiks in India, is labeled the Pashtuns like a martial culture. Like okay. with uh, the British Empire, they had a whole list of what they considered martial cultures. Okay. Either to like as a way of planning for how to like put down rebellions. Okay. Yeah. Or to like like what they did with the Gurkhas is recruit these people. Like you're really good at fighting. Like, we should make military units out of you people. Mm-hmm. So, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. yeah. Smart choice. So, there's that. The treatment of women. Oh, but, um, so they, they have sex with dudes. That's where all the Man Love Thursday jokes come from because traditionally the Muslim Day of Rest is, is Friday. So, they need to get all their dude fucking out of their system Don't before Friday because yeah, they're okay. not allowed to. But then, this is the same culture that, like, stones to death homosexuals and under Sharia law, homosexuality. So, yeah, I just yeah. saw the look on your face. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know what could cause you in Afghanistan to get killed for being gay when everyone's fucking dudes. Like, I don't know if it's like they see you rolling around in your shitty, like, Hyundai listening to Liberace <laughs> yeah. or like your shoes are too fabulous or something like sure. that. Yeah. Maybe if your shoes are more fabulous than yours. Like, and it's just it's really weird. Like, it's like, OK, like, I don't understand. Like, and that was I mean, that's literally like. All of them are, I mean, the majority that you saw or encountered were homosexual. The guys that you that looked at and they did not look flamboyantly homosexual. No, they're just but, like normal dudes. And like, they're all... But they would be holding hands with dudes and like kissing each other. And uh, that is... The only the only people I... that rejected that whole thing were like the younger kids who had like grown up under American occupation. And I think that might be from the influx because that's how they get the internet, like um, movies, okay. yeah. like local, the local economy around like... Uh, cops, fobs, and like military bases, airfields in Afghanistan is usually based on illegally downloaded movies, cigarettes, uh, and snack foods that they sell soldiers. Okay, yeah. So, so they're Americanizing those. Yeah, so they'll yeah. download these movies, watch them. Give them young, some porn, give them some movies, give them some cheeseburgers and cigarettes. Cool. The music and stuff like that. So, like, the younger generation, um, like, I never went to Kabul, but I had friends who had, like, that's where they had gone. And they said, like, Dude, girls are walking around like, no, no burkas or uh, habibs, like, looking hot as fuck in, like, jeans. Like, dudes are, like, listening to, like, American music. Like, they're just, like, uh, Kabul sounds awesome. Like, I would have <laughs> yeah. much rather been there instead yeah. of in and the, shitty Pesh River Valley. And that that's the up, that's the younger generation you're saying mm-hmm. that's doing that? Okay, but it, that, that's fascinating that you're talking about that the older generation of these posh tunes in Afghanistan are fucking guys holding hands walking down the street. But, then, but they also can get stoned for home. You don't. Yeah. And you don't. You don't know the the difference. I mean, you don't. I mean, I've I've thought about it a lot. Like, like I. Because I I want to Google it, but I don't even know how to approach. Like, you know, like. 
<laughs> like, I don't even know what to type into the computer to get the answer on no, that No, I was one. just wondering if you had heard anything over there about why that contrast is. The no, ju- no. we. That's uh, an extreme juxtaposition. Dude, we tried not to bring up, like, dude fucking with them. Yeah. Like, because one time we sent um, the same dude who learned enough Poshtune to tell them that I like blowing dudes, evidently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're like, hey, man, go, uh, go to the interpreter tent and uh, find our interpreter, John. And, like, 20 minutes later, I find this motherfucker, like, sitting on the ground, like, smoking, like, real, like, like worried-looking. I'm like, hey, dude, like, what happened? He's like, well, I went into the turp tent, and uh, John wasn't there. I'm like, okay. He's like, <clears throat> I saw two of the in- other interpreters fucking each other, and they just <laughs> looked at me and didn't stop. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, so did you get an interpreter? He's like, no, I left, and I've been smoking. Okay, fair okay, enough. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so as you, um, as you, <clears throat> God, yeah, you see these stark contrasts uh, in this society. Um, what, what were some things that, you know, um, happened that, you know, maybe now you regret or things that like kept you up like, damn, did we really need to do that? Or were there things like that that um, took place? Just, uh, like, Anytime we got into, like, firefights and stuff, like, uh, not every time, but a few times, like, like, civilians got hurt, like, uh, like, kids, uh, or, like, you know, when IEDs went off, like, and, like, my company never got hit by them, but it happened in our, in our AO, and we did foot patrols all the time to, like, try and find these things, route clearance, but they were timing them just right to get them in there, and, like, our sister companies might get hit, and we would... We were usually on QRF to go out and help. And just like, I don't know, like dudes, dudes who you're not like friends with, but you know. Right. Like, and you've seen them with their family and kids yeah. at like, at like, um, you know, brigade mandatory fun events where you're, you're told it's voluntary, but you have to show up and have fun, but you never do. Cause it sucks. Cause Sergeant Major's there being a fucking idiot. Yeah. And, uh, just like, fuck dude. Or like. You know, like, anytime kids got hurt, like, just the, the, like, brutality of the culture. It's, like, they're just, like, kids being kids and, like, their parents, like, beating them with sticks or something. Or, like, kids trying to get candy from us and the parents, you could tell they didn't like us. And, like, be like no, go away, American. Like, give you a little hand wave. Like, dude, I'll fucking murder you. Like, get the fuck away from my truck. Like, shit like that. Um, and just, it is a beautiful culture. Or, like, okay, parts of the culture are beautiful besides right. the kid fucking... But it's a beautiful country is what I meant okay. to say. And then, like, anytime you're up on, like, a mountain, you can see, like, wow, this place is really beautiful. But then you'll see, like, the burning garbage or, like, the the Pesh River is just full of shit and garbage. It's like, you guys have a beautiful, like, unspoiled country and you just destroy it. Like, and I don't know why. Like, it's, I don't know. It's just, like, a, a brutal place to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's all relative. Like, Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, because there are good people there, but it just feels like even, like, some of the, the good people are, by comparison to, like, you know, normal Western standards, horrible fucking people. Yeah, and that's the that's the tough part, isn't it? Don't you think, man? It's hard, like you said, dude, with those cultural differences. To, it's impossible not to look at the people and be like, what the fuck is going on, no matter where you go? But at the same point, it's like, it's so hard with the whole cultural differences. It's, it's just different, man. Like... 
it's hard not to put your own judgment on those other people or no matter like where they the are. bullshit the Taliban pulls where like Taliban fighters will fight. Yeah. But by and large, what they'll often do is find like locals wherever they are and be like, hey, we'll pay you X amount of money to go fuck up the Americans. Okay. Oh, and by the way, if you don't do it, we're going to kill your family. Oh, okay. so these dudes are like, fuck, I can make money if I don't do it. Like, you know, well, there's one option. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm kind of fucked. So like a lot of times you're fucking up dudes who don't necessarily hate you. It's just, they're kind of being forced. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, dude, like, but then again, it's like, why are you guys allowing the Taliban to come into your village? Like, I know you guys have weapons of your own. Like, why isn't your village fucking up the Taliban? Yeah. Are there more Taliban than there are of the villages or? No, like, like, I mean, villages usually fall into one of three categories. Taliban village, where they'll strip fly the white Taliban flag and just be like, yeah, the Taliban rules. Um, The indifferent ones that don't like the Taliban, but they don't like us. Or friendly villages are like America rules. And those, like, usually the closer you get to the military base or anywhere where troops are, you find the more friendly villages because they've benefited from proximity to the U.S. military, either from food, uh, like resources, yeah. like internet, business, yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Um, and Taliban villages, like, unless you, like, literally kill every military-age male, very rarely do they change to non-Taliban village. Okay. And, like, historically, military-age male means 16 to, like, 55. But with Islamic countries, you have to drop it and raise it from, like, you know, 13 to, fuck, maybe even 70, like 60, maybe. As long as they can still walk. They, they're... Yeah, because, like, it, it definitely, like, their culture and the, the way of life, like, in um, the rural areas, ages you and hardens you way faster. Yeah. Like, you might be like, damn, what's that 20-year-old doing? And you're like, oh, shit, he's 14. Wow, okay. Like, they yeah. just look rough, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so what, like after the things you saw, um, like were there some firefights that occurred in, in that area that you were in? We, uh, if we were on patrol, we got shot at or into firefights. Yeah. How, how often, how often were those types of occurrences? You out for a daily patrol. What's your chances when you walk out that barrack door that you're thinking I'm 90% sure I'm going to get shot at today. 50%, 10%. It was usually a, a good 80% chance really? unless yeah. it was raining because Hodge, uh, the, the Afghanis, they uh, don't have the best, like, they still have to deal with, like, the bubonic plague in that country. Yeah. So they don't go out in the rain usually unless it's something important. Like, they can't afford to get sick because that might be a death sentence. Okay. So, which isn't a problem for, like, friendly villages because they know they can get American first aid. Yeah. But if you're Taliban, I mean, it. It varies. Like, you could, you know, be Taliban or unfriendly to Americans, but then utilize us for shit. That does exist. Um, but, like, so, like, once a week we had to, like, uh, QAQC our trucks. Like, make sure they were good, do maintenance so they didn't break down on patrol because that would have been unfortunate. And that was during our rest period. And even then, like, there's a good chance we were going to get, like, at least, like, a, a 60 to 70% chance we were going to get mortared or hit with recoilless rifle fire at some point. So even during, like, your downtime, you know... That's your, unbelievable. Your hypothetical downtime. That's like, unbelievable. But like dude. leaving the gate, like there's always like a good 75 to 80% chance. Like, dude, if it was, if it was like nice out, like, yeah, dude, at some point we're going to get shot at. And you would always knew what village, like, yeah, be okay. like, yeah in this village, we're going to get shot at from that same fucking hill. Or we're going to get shot at from inside the village. And these motherfuckers are just going to disperse into the town. And then you can't respond. 
Um, or it depends on the situation. Well, it depends on the situation. Yeah. Like you had rules of engagement, like you weren't supposed to, unless you actually saw a weapon, they're actively shooting. You weren't supposed to shoot, but I mean, what happens on patrol kind of stays on patrol. Yeah. And however you write it up. I mean, it's Did really up to you for what happens. Yeah. Right. Where things happen. And then because once something happens like that, the lower people aren't going to No, Cause like you whistleblow, you know what I mean? It's like before deployment, I always heard fuck them like they're assholes like dirty savages and fuck the kids too they're the worst and i was like oh you're just an uneducated southerner from georgia i'm yeah. gonna be different and i tried for a week i gave candy and bullshit to kids tried to win them over and then one day uh i ran out of candy and all these kids were like oh mr mr candy like give us candy like candy pen give me pen Be like yeah dude i'm out of candy and this one kid in front of their little group goes, when you leave here, you go boom and die. And then his buddy hucked a rock and hit me in the mouth. And that's when I was like, okay, game on, motherfucker. Yeah, so man. I started uh, peeing in water bottles and then mixing lemonade powder with it. Oh, and making kids fist fight for the tasty treat to get my revenge for getting hit in the mouth with a rock. Yeah. Because it chipped my fucking tooth and right. it hurt. Yeah. Um, which I regret doing that. Like, that was a pretty immature response. But, you know, like, rage Situ does well over. Yeah, man. Situational, I can only imagine that effect that it has on you wearing on you grinding on you day after day oh yeah and you and you just get so fucking sick of seeing the same people's fucking face hearing their voice hearing the same <sighs> stupid jokes yeah eating the same food yeah. um we had showers they got blown up while we were on patrol um <laughs> that's not i mean that right there that sentence that you just said dude I think that would blow the mind. It blows my mind to sit here as a civilian. I think it would blow the majority of Americans' mind. I didn't get a proper shower for I, over four months. We had showers. <laughs> they got blown up while we were on patrol. That's unbelievable, dude. Or, like, I, I ate the local food. I got dysentery. Like, I shit my pants a lot. Like, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, like, being on patrol and having to poop in, like, an ammo can. Like, it's just, like, horrible shit, dude. Or yeah. just, like... Where, like, you're just so dirty, like, where it won't wash off, like, because you're breathing in all this bullshit and it gets in your pores. So no yeah. matter how hard you scrub yourself, like, you can just still smell yourself. Yeah. You're just like, ugh. I mean, and how can you not turn into a, you know, disgruntled, cynical human? Or, like... Do you um, know what I mean? Oh. I mean, is that what occurred? I mean, I would... So we're going to bring this one full circle. Okay, that girl that broke it. up with me. Okay. Oh, well, we're go oh, we're doing throwback. Nice. She went full hippie while I was deployed. And she hit me up while I was deployed and was like, before I deployed, she had told me that if me and my friends die, we're dying for nothing because 9-11 was an inside job. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So then when I was deployed, she hit me up on Facebook and was like, hey, uh, I heard that you guys are just guarding opium fields over there for the drug lords to protect, protect like the CIA's drug trade. I'm like, dude, I haven't seen one <laughs> fucking opium plant or like poppy since I've been here. I have seen a bunch of angry motherfuckers with machine guns and RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just shit like that. Like people that don't get it or like, I have this other buddy when I the came... internet breeds conspiracies on both sides to the extreme. Oh dude. Like, it... and I always thought the truth is somewhere in the middle. Like, sure. Does the CIA do sketchy things? Yeah. Is yeah. the U S military being used to guard poppy plants? Probably not. Cause the Afghanis do a pretty fucking good jo job of guarding them. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And we Perfect tried to destroy it. the poppies. Yeah. But then that just created more, it's not gonna do anything. more insurgents. Because yeah. we were pissed that we they, they were pissed that we were trying to tell them what crops they could yeah. grow. Plus, don't take people's drugs. Like that's a pretty you should anyone should know that. Well, yeah, like <laughs> you don't make we, people's drugs. We tried to destroy their poppy fields and be like, oh, grow wheat or like vegetables or something. Like, um, <laughs> do you know how much money I can make off 
Debium versus... It all came down to money. Yeah. So we were like, all right, keep doing your poppies. Pretty much it was just like a, you know, whatever, fuck these people. Yeah. So um, just shit like that, dude. Or like, uh, I have this other buddy who, when I came home, um, I was talking to him. And he's like, you know, man, I really like you, but I don't like what you do for a living. You're just another cog in the machine, man. It's just like, hey, fuck this guy. Because he's yeah. been a first year punk for like 10 years. Like yeah. he never got beyond crass or like the casualties. He never like matured as a person. And two, a cog in what machine? Like there isn't like everyone has this idea, like like all the Bernie Sanders supporters and all that, that they live in some right wing like totalitarian dictatorship with you know the republic or the GOP's boot on their neck. Let's be fair, we live in a shit lib country. Like the Republican Party's reviled. Um every social cause is given in, in praise and the military shit on. And anyone with any like like even if your occupation has like the tendencies of like something like right wing, like the military. Yeah. Like you're immediately shit on and just like, oh you know, the US is the biggest terrorist in the in the world. Like get the fuck out of here, dude. Like never terrorized anyone unless they were a fucking piece of shit bad person like the things we do to afghanistan do you didn't see i mean you don't feel over there that you like i mean you that you personally saw that you no there was no like direct acts of just like cruelty for cruelty's sake the cruel things did happen but that's the nature of what was happening sure okay yeah um like i'm sure for your non-combatants it's horrible to have like the world's superpower and the local like you know homegrown terrorist group duking it out in your town and your buildings getting fucked up yeah that wouldn't be pleasant sure but at the same time it's not like it's not like the non-combatants were like we were never like let's murder some civilians like no you just it's like hey like and usually they know when something's going to go down like the taliban doesn't want civilian casualties because it takes away from their cause okay like, how are you supposed to get the support of villages if you're killing their people right. as, like, and you're supposed it's, to be... That's strange, because w- my interpretation of the Taliban is that they are ruthless Oh, they animals are. animals that kill their own people. That's, like, you know, but that's, that's interesting they do. to say that. They do, <clears throat> but, like, it's... I mean, it's like, um... It's like the mafia. Is it is it easier to, like to do like the Pablo Escobar thing and just donate money and get people to like love you because you're helping out. Or is it easier to just terrorize everyone? It's ruling through respect or fear. Sure. Respect's always preferred. Right. But you always have the ability to go to fear if respect doesn't work. Right. And they, and they know that. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty common thing just throughout history. Like every culture has that. Like it's, yeah. if you can rule completely or get support without having to be the bad guy, that will always be preferred. That's... Right, of course. And through fear, you can dominate, but it is short term and it's only in respite. Yeah. That's the only reason that they respect you. And then and if it goes will on too them. long, exactly. then you get yeah. a counter group. Be like, exactly. no, fuck you. Exactly. But I want to talk, so you did, you've gotten a lot of negative sentiments directed towards you. Yeah. A lot of it from you coming back and saying what you did and people just... Oh yeah, dude. Like it'd be like, you do know, they take out their feelings about what's going on and they just um, throw them on you? I I'm not sure. I feel like a lot of it because people will like try and be supportive. Like, hey, if you ever need to talk, like you can talk to me. Yeah. And when you try and do that and tell them the like no bullshit truth, they uh, they freeze up and they don't know how to respond, and then they immediately like distance themselves from it. So it feels like they just don't give a fuck. But right. it's probably because they just don't know what they what to do. They're like, oh my god, there's the <clears throat> the truth is scary sometimes it is like and uh then like 
Because when you're deployed, nothing matters. All that matters is what you're doing, your dudes, if you're a team leader, like I was when I was deployed, um, keeping your weapon clean, making sure you're, everything's good. Just making sure that nothing can go wrong and try not to get killed or any of your buddies to get killed. That's all that matters. So like all the like normal bullshit you deal with in like daily life, like maybe your girlfriend's being a bitch or your parents are being assholes or you hate your job, your boss is being a dick sucker. Like shit like that doesn't really matter. It's just like day by day, like, okay, today, 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 today ends, you go to sleep, wake up, new day, and all that shit doesn't matter. But then when you, you get home, it all comes back. And your shitty little brain's like, hey, asshole, remember all that horrible shit you, you saw and did? <clears throat> like, uh, it's time to deal with that. And, uh, like... Is that what's going on now? Um, yeah, there's a little bit of that. Like, I, I've refused to, to um, confront things and just, you know, put them off, put them off. Like but, what? Uh... I know we just met, so yeah. every day, but whatever you want to share. Like man. dead friends, um, mm-hmm. things that went wrong when civilians got hurt, like uh, things I did personally that I regret doing. Yeah. Like I shouldn't have done that. That was yeah. the bad response. Like um, shit like that. And then like it sometimes like when it's really bad, like you feel like there's no absolution for things you've done. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't want to be around your friends or people you care about. Like you're going to somehow infect them or poison them. Or they're just going to like be able to sense like the perceived like blackness of like your soul. Mm-hmm. So like you have to like try and hide it, but that doesn't work. Cause it bleeds through and it comes out in weird ways, man. Like, like, um, like if someone is acting erratic or like, let's say you have like a, an irresponsible friend that you can't rely on. Yeah. Totally. Well, you see his irresponsibleness and then subconsciously you link that to this person's unreliable. And because of that, people are going to die because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Okay. So then there's no, there's not a lot of leeway in your emotions. Like there's no like real shades of gray. It's, it becomes real black and white. Like you're either happy or you're, you're fucking sad. You're like complete blackout rage. Like there's no like anger irritated. It just goes from like baseline to something happens, just like rage or like something bad happens instead of like, you know, mildly bummed. It's just like soul cripplingly like sad. Oh, okay. Like just extremes, it just <clears throat> extremes. And that occurred after you got back. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, or like your fight, fire, fight, blah, 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 fight or flight response. Okay, just like, yeah. like, uh, I don't like crowds. Like malls are a pretty much no go. Cause it's, it's too similar to like weird, like Middle Eastern bazaars, which is like people walking around being loud. Like you're, you're looking for like threats or like, okay, like let's say I'm out in the open right now or like in a city, be like, oh, window, 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 like that window's open. Like I can get hit from there. That pothole probably has an IED. And how, how long, how many tours did you total? I did one. Um, because then I, I should have stayed in the army, honestly, because when I was getting out, they were deploying again. And I wish I would have been on that one. Um, but I got out, uh, for this girl and then I was home for two weeks out of the army and she decided that was a good time to, um, start sucking her coworkers dick. Uh, <laughs> well, that going around. Yeah. Uh, story of my life, man. You know, just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then how, but how long ago was that when you got back? I, I, um, redeployed in October of 2012. Oh, you redeployed again. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like redeploying that. I came home in, in October, 2012. Okay. So I was deployed during the majority of 2012 and then I was still in the army for another year and, uh, everything seemed fine. Cause I was still in the army, uh-huh. you know, uh, 
like I I was now the you know deployed team leader, so I for like the new privates coming in, like had to like you know set a good example okay. and all that, teach them because we knew a deployment. We were still staying busy. Yeah, staying busy. It's when you're left your own devices yeah. that you start chasing ghosts. Ex- wait, yeah, that's an excellent description. Yeah, and, uh, and so that was two that was two years ago that you got out of the army completely. Uh, it was yeah about two years. Um, and that's when it started to slowly creep up on you. Yeah, creep up because then uh, then I went into the reserve. So once a month, like that shit washes away because I'm I'm back in in army mode now. But 29 days, it's there. But for you know 29 days that a month, little, that it's little just demons in the back here. It's just there. Um, what did you do to cope? Reach for the bottle. Well, uh, I didn't I didn't drink until I was 25. I turned 25 in Afghanistan. My birthday was horrible. You uh, didn't have a sip of alcohol until you were 25. Well, like I'd have a beer here and okay. there, but I didn't drink. Like I didn't party. Okay. I just I smoked cigarettes. But, yeah, yeah. You know, I was always responsible one DD. You yeah. Know. Like both yeah. my parents were fucking drunkards, so I didn't have an interest in it. But yeah, good, on the yeah. way home from Afghanistan is when I started drinking heavily, and then that just never stopped. Yeah. And then uh, when I got out of the army, like I had some money saved up, and you know, got BAH like uh, for school from the GI Bill, and a lot of that's just uh, gone to the bars. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to put a curb on that, but it's just fucking rough. And the VA is a nightmare. Like, you, like that's what I have. I've heard uh, lately a couple other podcasts I listen to. They have um, ex-military guys on and things I read, and that the VA is just a total shit. It's just a bureaucratic mess of where it's just extremely inefficient. Uh, people can't get seen for a month just to get in and just to be seen. Oh, a month would be good timing. Like really? I called before and they're like, oh, you know, let's say it's um, January. They're like, oh, the next opening we have is April. You know, see you then. Um, like, they're in fuck. dire need of nurses and doctors. Yeah. Because and- like, you know, I was like, you know, I'm tired of feeling this way. Like I want to be a normal person. And uh, so I, I, I go to like therapy once a week at the VA. Yeah, cool. And it's just, um, it's a vicious process because they're like, okay, we need a detailed account of like a traumatic event. And then every time you go there, it's like, um, imagine like a river that's just calm or like a pond. It's just calm. Maybe below there's some stuff going on, but then going to those appointments, just like a fucking industrial dredge comes through. And then instead of being calm, it's just like just churning and your psyche you're talking about. Yeah. It's just horrible, dude. It's like, like like reliving it. Yeah. Or it's like, okay, so you want me to just like talk about you know oh yeah so this one time it was really you know chill like got to see what you know uh got to see uh and smell what a human body you know looks like after it's exposed to you know high explosives or what a man's face what a man looks like when his when he blows himself up like a suicide bomber and his face falls off or you know when like a 762 round tumbles through hodge's chest and then he's sitting there drowning in his own blood while you're searching them for intel, like stuff for like that. And it's just like, fuck, dude. Yeah, like, just, yeah. So, I mean, and then there's like shame and guilt that goes with it. Cause like, you know, pretty much everyone's grandparents were involved in world war two. So you feel like a shithead. Like, well, why? What do you mean? Because they fought like the Nazis and, Oh, and you're saying that since you like, you're doing this war and it's not the same as that. Yeah. So. And I can't get my shit together, but they came home and like built the, built like the greatest economy and nation ever it's like how the fuck did they do it and i feel like an asshole now yeah but i mean you don't like i i can see how the mind would do that but i mean you don't i wouldn't actually you don't actually believe that right i mean it depends dude because like on the day or because everything fluctuates like sometimes i feel really really bad for like taking human life like i feel horrible about it yeah like there could have been a different way but then the next day it could be like no fuck that i wish i'd killed more 
Like I wish we would burn every village to the ground those, and those murder everyone. Yeah, about. just yeah. extremes. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of a lot of fluctuation. Um, but the the re- the greatest part is every day I think about Afghanistan. And I just want to be back there. Like I just want to do it again. Really? Yeah. Like Iraq right now. I want to go fight ISIS. It would be great. It would if I got deployed right now. If I got a phone call, be like, "Hey, we're deploying." I'd probably do fucking cartwheels out of your house. <laughs> can you do cartwheels? Yeah, I can. You know, I'll figure it out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like you know, and then that's another thing. Thanks for bringing that up. Is like, um, just the wear and tear on your body. Yeah. Like I have like the knees of like an eighty year old man. Like, yeah. The VA is like, oh, you're probably gonna have knee replacement surgery before you're forty. Dude, I'm twenty eight. Like that's coming up quick. And who's gonna pay for that? Will they pay for it? It depends. Um, the VA, their payment is usually based on income. So if you don't have an income, it doesn't cost anything. Because I deployed within the last five years or two years or something like that, three, whatever their number is, I have free healthcare from the VA for um, five years. If you get like a 100% disabled rating from the VA, you get TRICARE, like military healthcare, for free for the rest of your life, which would be, I mean, I don't think 100% should be like, dude, I think if you're over 50, they should just hand out the TRICARE. Yeah. Like you broke people's bodies and it's like psyches. Like, dude, I can't maintain healthy relationships. Like anytime, like I have a girlfriend or something and like, they like being around me. I immediately question their sanity. It's like, how the fuck can you like being around me? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, here's a, it, just to interrupt you real quick. Oh yeah. Good for yeah. It. What, what you're saying, I think it's like just typical human behavior, just unbelievably magnified. I would say, because I think most people share those same sentiments of like, yeah this person actually like likes me, you know, or today's a good day. And the next day is mm, not so great, you know, but the problem is, is that you have all this, I mean, extreme burden that just, it exemplifies, it, it, it exacerbates those, those normal human emotions that everyone goes through. Yeah. What you described everyone goes through, but you have them magnified to 10 because of those instances. oh yeah because i used to have you know? those like before the military be like oh i can't believe this girl like likes me like yeah but there, it's right it's not like um a sadness with that it's like a, an ins like kind of like insecure unsure sure exactly yeah but with this it feels more like like almost like a revulsion like how the fuck do you like me like if i told you the truth you would run yeah like sh- and then people get mad they're like you won't open up to me and it's like oh, if i do you're not gonna like being here right Right. So it's this whole, like, you're walking a fucking tightrope or, you know, um, or, uh, there's no, like, and it always comes back to combat. Like people will be telling stories about like coworkers and stuff. And like, you don't, it'll be like, yeah, like my buddy, you know, he said something funny at work the other day. Ha ha. I'd be like, oh, I had this buddy in the army and he bought a fleshlight. And it was hilarious. It was the Avatar themed one, so it looked like you know, like a cat's eye, and he was slinging it around like shit, like that. And everyone was just like, um, "Hard to relate." What? <clears throat> it was like, yeah, this one time, like I threw a hand grenade. They're like, oh, "Okay, yeah," like you know. Um, and that's one of the biggest things I hear is the assimilation back into the civilian world because there's such a stark contrast. Oh yeah, like it's, it's just, extremely um, difficult. Like people will sit there and listen, but uh, like they don't have like a a frame of reference. Like it's. I mean, even, even other veterans, like I'll go to the VFW hall to drink and like, you know, Vietnam veterans are there. They're the, the primary group, uh-huh. but like the military is so different between, I mean, it's even different between the initial invasion guys and the current guys. Like so much has changed. Like there, there'll always be like similarities, like, um, uh, you know, like 
the military just doing dumb stuff. Yeah. Like, that's enraging. But actual terms of combat, like, like the Vietnam guys, like, you don't understand why the Vietnam guys did the things they did, like the search and destroy things, or just how they could tolerate taking, like, the losses they did, you know, 30, 40, 50% casualties in a platoon. Um, and the Vietnam guys don't get, like, why why we fought Iraq and Afghanistan the way we did. It's just there's, like, a, a disconnect, even between veterans. Mm-hmm. I mean, even between, like, Afghan and Iraq veterans, because, like, like, Afghanistan... At least where I was, it's it's a light infantryman's world. Like you don't, it's mountains. Like you, like you have Kiowa helicopters instead of Apaches. Um, you you don't have the heavy support that they that they did in Iraq. The difference in Iraq was the insurgency was like actually trained like militarily by Sunnis who had gotten booted out of the army when we debathified the government. So oh, okay. even if they were just insurgents for religious reasons. They're getting, like, no bullshit, like, military training from former, like, Republican Guard or just, like, Sunni Army guys, like, shit like that. So it, it's it's almost a difference between, like, the Wehrmacht in Germany in World War II and the Imperial Japanese Army is, like, the Germans, like, we knew what to expect. Like, it was a brutal, hard opponent, but there was, like, a, a, like a, a respect, like, by and large, they treated our POWs well and we treated theirs well, okay, and there's, yeah. like... We were fighting another Western European power. Yeah. We, we, it was the same mindset. Okay. Yeah. But with Japan, like the refusal to surrender, the, the suicide, suicidal fighting, just the like refusal to give up. Yeah. Like, and that just wears on you. Like when you see people blowing themselves up, like just standing there and fighting, like Taliban fighters, like fighting, like when we out, like attacking with an inferior force against like armored trucks, fully loaded with infantrymen with like air cover on station. It's just like, why do you keep fighting? Yeah. Like just fucking die or surrender. Just stop. Like you're sick of seeing it. Yeah. Just sick of it, dude. Yeah. Like, you know, but then, then you, you learn to like that. Like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Firefight. Your body dumps all that. Those fucking hormones. Mm -hmm. Adrenaline session. Oh God. It's not good, huh? Everything seems to slow down. Just fucking slinging rounds, like fucking rounds coming by you, just like crack, 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 crack. Fucking helicopters coming in, machine gun and shit, launching rockets or like A-10s on station, just opening up with that fucking, that 30 millimeter gun, just brop. And it's awesome. Like, and it ruins everything else because like blowjobs are cool, but I'd rather be getting shot at. <laughs> yeah, that <means> <laughs> There is like, hey, uh, do you mind sucking my dick while you shove a gun in my face or something? <laughs> 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 totally, dude. There is nothing more visceral, and I would imagine to make you feel more alive than life and death. Life and death, dude. Um, um yeah, completely. But, you know, <laughs> like kicking in a door, like doing like early morning raids, like where it's a high value target. Like you know for a fact this motherfucker has been helping the Taliban. You fucking just breach his house, come in grab him out of bed he's confused and scared shitless like he has a bunch of people yelling in a language he doesn't speak like that that felt good like you're taking the element the el- like an important element to the taliban where like the dudes who are giving them intelligence or like funding them or in some way helping them be like you just lost a logistical like fucking cornerstone yeah so and fuck those guys um like we had an interpreter that uh we found, we found out, they found out, had been working with the Taliban. So, um, 
we had to pull guard on him and sitting there talking to a dude who was essentially a Taliban guy, but he spoke perfect English. And he tried to lecture me. He's like, oh, how old are you? Like, 25, man. Uh, are you married yet? Like, no. Like, oh, you're getting old. You need to get married. I'm like, hey, dude, my life expectancy is like 84. Yours <laughs> is like 58. Because <laughs> yeah. we don't have the bubonic plague. Yeah. yeah and yeah. we don't just shit in creeks that people fall. I fell in a shit creek once, which is horrible. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've had water mixed with human feces and refuse in your mouth and eyes, but it's not enjoyable. No, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just shit like that, dude. Uh, I don't miss those parts. Yeah. And there's parts of the army. I definitely don't miss like fucking safety briefs or just like the paperwork or just like being at work for no discernible reason. Like in America, just yeah. like, let us go home. It's Friday. Yeah. Like I have drinking to do. Right. Um, but yeah, I miss the army. Like it was, it was a really good decision. I mean, it kind of ruined some aspects of my life. Like, but, uh, by and large, like, yeah, it was great. What parts do you say are ruined now? Did you think they're irreplaceably? Uh, sometimes it feels like that. Yeah. It's just like, a, you know, like irrevocably a, or what's is that the right word? Yeah. Irrevocably. irrevocably uh, yeah. No, I feel like, <clears throat> I don't know, man. Like, sometimes I feel like uh, I'm probably going to die alone. Like, I saw an old couple the other day at the uh, at the coffee shop. They're old as fuck. Probably been together for, like, 40 years. But yeah. That'll probably never be me. Yeah. But that's just a feeling. But that's just that feeling of, like, you don't want to, like, infect people yeah. with, like, the things you've done. And I'm sure that hopefully that will fade. Even though I talked to a Korean War veteran, I was like, hey, man, does it get better? He's like, no. It's like, fuck. But, uh. I, I don't know. any. I can't, yeah, relate to anything. But, I, I mean god damn like shit let's hope that there's i really hope, hope that so, there's like, hope for improvement i mean have you seen improvement in yourself in the past two years from where you are today talking to me uh versus two years ago when you recently it's gotten real bad really like, it's ups and downs like but you know every time it like recovers and it's on the rise it seems to get better so yeah but every time it goes down it seems to get worse so it okay like it's uh the waves are just lengthening okay but you know does uh, the you're doing psychotherapy right now you said yeah does that help uh it feels like it, like there is like a mild catharsis, but then like, cause it's hard to talk like during the appointment, but then afterwards, like you will talk about some stuff and afterwards you'll just, at least I do personally dwell on some aspects for longer than I should. Yeah. Um, I should probably stop drinking cause when I do drink, it's a 50, 50 chance whether I'm going to just be fun, you know, hilarious guy all night or just fucking major downer. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, you're having a good day. Let me tell you about dead kids. Yeah. Like that sort of shit. Yeah. Um, what do you think, what have you done thus far that has helped the most? I don't know, man. I haven't really felt like I'd done much. It's just, yeah. it just kind of just going with the flow. So probably need to find some way to like take a stance, but like, no, fuck that. Like, or to release the aggression. Yeah. There's a, I mean, <clears throat> because it's such a big factor right now. And I think it's unbelievable horseshit that the government would send and I don't care if you agree with the politics of why we're over there or you think that it's a fucking conspiracy. There's people that signed up to go over there and sacrifice their lives for something that they found honorable. Worthwhile, yeah. Worthwhile, okay? Like you. So, whether you agree with it or not, it is happening. And then when they come back, you come back, and it's, uh, yeah, I saw, the like you said, all these horrible things. Need to talk to someone. Uh, we'll see you in four months. Well, it's also the climate of the army. Like a lot of dudes don't seek help atrocity. because they, they tell you, they'll tell you like, Hey, if you need help, talk to someone, 
but there's also the stigma yeah. where they're oh. like, oh, you need to talk to mental health. Yeah. Okay, pussy. Pussy, pussy, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so there's that. There's. Um, but I bet you those guys that say that would benefit from it. Probably, but those are usually like your career dudes who. Yeah, okay. They. They definitely like released a little bit of their humanity and they're just in army mode. That's okay. what they are. Copy is that. A yeah. soldier. Yeah. Copy um, that. Yeah. And you see it too in cops, like, mm-hmm. like, it's like, you know, like your, like career, like sergeant. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Well, they're in so deep. I yeah. mean, their walls are up. It, it, they're, they're thick. By the time you get to 15 year career guy, or whatever, those are thick walls, man. You're not getting through them. Yeah. You like, know what I mean, and you, you lose part of that where like you don't, there's not a lot of like um, mercy or empathy left because it's just supposed to be like, Hey, like, why aren't you executing what you're supposed to do? Why is this a problem for you? And then like, since they're older dudes, they've usually been in for a while. If they weren't in the initial invasion or if they're real old, they were in desert storm and then this current war, giving up a piece of their humanity. That's a great way to put it. I mean, but then again, like they joined at like 17 or 18, 19. That's the only world they know. Yeah. And they've been doing it for like 20 years, like 20 years of like being in the infantry. Like your body has to hurt every day. Yeah. Like you've seen so much bullshit. Yeah. Like deployed like at least four times usually, yeah. if not five, six, right. seven, depending on what their job was. Right. Um. And uh, yeah, like it's you know it's just really hard to uh, to connect with your friends that that haven't done something similar. Like if you have like a paramedic friend or a, a cop friend or like a, a firefighter friend, they're still like you understand. You may not tell them everything because it's different. But like even your military friends, like, um, like it's it's the easiest to talk to them, but it doesn't really help anything because even with them you're holding stuff back because you don't want to look like a pussy, right? Because you have that expectation of your military friend, like, why are you being weak? Like you're not. So you wouldn't tell some friends that you go to psychotherapy. Um, some of my friends know. Like uh, I have to do homework for it, and the other day I was doing it, and some of my friends were like, "Oh, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm doing homework." They're like for what? And I was like, uh. Uh, psychology class and they're like oh what type of psychology i was like i like giggled when i said like abnormal psych and, <laughs> nice dude good cover and uh and like, it's oh, okay cool and you just didn't want me to pussy yeah i didn't because like because then one of two things i found Judge, happen yeah. when you try and talk to people either a they treat you like you're made of fucking porcelain and like oh are you okay buddy and like try and hold you like a you know a fabergé egg yeah or or they treat you like, whoa, like crazy guy over here. Yeah. Like, and like, I don't like that. Like, I'm a good dude. Like, I, I can be a funny guy. You yeah. Know, I'm a nice guy, but. Very conversational. But, you know, I don't like being treated like I'm some delicate little fucking virginal flower. And I definitely don't like being treated like a crazy person. Like, I'm not like eating my own shit. Because you're not either one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But that's the, the thing is that how that's how. You're a human with issues that can be resolved. Like, yeah. It's not that fun. Um, yeah. Or like when people. Like, uh, like, oh, I don't know what the problem is. Like, it's not like it's a real war. Like, the fuck do you mean real war, motherfucker? Yeah. Like, well, it's not like it's like World War Two. It's like, you're absolutely right. I did not amphibiously invade Europe. <laughs> but someone shooting a machine gun at you is the same in German, Japanese, and posh tune. Right. So. And that's the disconnect. That's the massive disconnect between, which is why what you're doing right here is exemplifying courage. Because... That's the disconnect between civilians and people going over there, but you did and doing it. There is, there is nothing. I, I can't like, you can't describe experience. You can, but like, unless you live it, you're just imagining what it could be like. 
Oh, but like, and you know here's what, the problem with that. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. Because World War II and Vietnam. All right. World War II, there's the draft. So right. If even if you didn't have a child, brother, father, or whatever who was in the military fighting, you there's a good chance you were working on the war effort, like building Liberty ships, yeah. tanks, or planes. Okay. So like, you had a vested interest. Right. And there was like pro-U.S. propaganda, like you know, support our boys. You right. know, fucking war bond drive. So like, you had a vested interest. Vietnam. Again, if you didn't have anyone over there you knew, like, it was on TV every night, just, like, combat footage. So, like, you had a vested interest, whether you wanted, like, to support the guys, or you were against the war, you just wanted our dudes home. Or even you had a vested interest if you hated the military and the dudes, like, you had a vested interest in ending the war just for humanity's sake. Um, This, there isn't live footage. Um, It's a fully volunteer army. It's a very small segment of the country that does enlist. Um, like, so unless you have a friend, brother, father, something that's in, and even then you don't really have a vested interest because it's not in your face. There, it doesn't seem to be a priority to America. There's no like, Hey America, let's fucking end this. We got to do this. Like, you know, let's come together and step forward. It's more like our military is going to go do this for us. And you're just like, Oh, I'm going to sit back and eat my fucking Nutella. Nutella, dude. <laughs> do you like Nutella? No, I don't at you, all. You don't like Nutella? No, I think it's fucking gross. <laughs> oh, dude. I don't oh. like... Uh, I almost got you a Costco tub of it, so oh, I'm glad well, thanks, I didn't, bud. dude. Yeah. You know, I don't like Nutella. Um, I don't like fucking pumpkin spice. I think it's fucking gross. It tastes like elf jizz. Well, we're not, we're not like, we're not white girls, you know? So. I do like white girls. <laughs> yeah, we like white girls, just not pumpkin spice. Oh, busty amateurs are my vice. <laughs> or like Yo. girls with tattoos, just. Oh, yeah, dude. <sighs> uh, those, dude, you know what my favorite is? Just a little, just a little tangent here. Brunette girls, like. With big tits and tattoos? Because you're preaching a, to the choir. I'm more, of, I'm, more of a butt, <laughs> I'm more of a butt guy, but like the girl that's really pretty and just maybe has like a nose ring and like a little half sleeve per i, I mean know that one just like the little edge is oh man. well see here's my problem with drive me crazy with butts and tits is usually it's the boobies that attract me like oh those look cool and i want to touch them and do stuff to them yeah but then during the act i'm like yeah i want to play with this butt you know while i hit from behind <laughs> real quick or something like that <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's sure a, they're both cool but it's sure. like a yin and yang i need both right like, it doesn't have to be a big like Bounce you know sir mix a lot but right like, I'm in the small butt, I'm in the big butt. Yeah, balance. It also Not... doesn't have to be comically sized boobs. No, just, just a like... nice balance. Proportional. I just need to be able to, like, slap that under boob and see those yeah, jiggle. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. A little jiggle, You like for that sure. shit, girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right, dude. That That is totally... You nailed it with, like, the disconnect on people sitting there. They flip on CNN. They oh, have yeah. no vested More interest. More troops going by. Oh, that's interesting. And you know the other thing, too, I think, is that there is no end date. Yeah. And now they've started, they, uh, Obama's pulling out troops, Afghanistan, doing things like that, but we're going to have bases there and people there for the foreseeable future. I mean... Honestly, what could pull together America is ISIS, because the problem with Iraq and Afghanistan was it was um it was like a hydra. Like, it was just different cells, different groups. Like, we could kill one, and then two more would spring up. With ISIS, yeah, it's an insurgent organization, but it it's like the difference between... um. The traditional mafia with a top-down leadership and uh, the Camorra in northern Italy, which was more like cells with no upper leadership. Well, the mafia was allowed, because of the top-down and the direct like power-like structure, they could rapidly seize stuff, but they are easier to defeat because you take out the leadership, you cut off the head, the snake dies. The Camorra never got as powerful, but they, they're definitely harder to fight because you could take down one cell 
two more are going to spring up. Mm-hmm. So with ISIS, it's um, they do have a top down. It's they're trying to form a caliphate, like a no bullshit like country, and they have a no bullshit country mm-hmm. in the areas they control, and that's what we're good at is fighting no bullshit countries and fucking them up. We fucked up Iraq. One week, the like fourth or fifth largest army in the world kneeled before us. And we did it twice. We kicked the shit out of them 10 years apart. Um, so with ISIS, like, we don't even have to do what we're not good at, and that's the occupation. Even though we're really good at that now, we have 14 years of experience. Yeah, right. We really just have to roll through, <clears throat> fuck up ISIS, and the Kurds and Iraqi army can roll behind us and do what they need to do to pacify that insurgency they live there they know who the enemy is they know they can go into the towns and be like you know it's what france did after we liberated fucking france is they got rid of the collaborators like oh you helped work with the germans oh you you were a whore and just slept with german officers and they got punished and got rid of those elements okay so like people want to be like oh that's barbaric you're gonna let the iraqi army or kurds just you know kill people summary executions like we allowed that shit all over Europe. Like, yeah, we had no issue with the denazification yeah. or de- uh I don't know what, like getting rid of the fascist elements of denazification. The- I like it. Mm-hmm. Like we had no issue with that. Yeah. Like, Oh, these, these were the collaborator or corroborating governments of, you know, like Quisling in Norway or um, Vichy France or, you know, any of the conquered nations where they set up like far right fascist governments. Yeah. We had no problem with the local civilian population killing those elements yeah we let Mussolini. should we have arrested mussolini and tried him as a criminal yeah we should that would have been the moral thing to do instead we let him get fucking lynched by his own people are you a history major yes okay yeah you're good man you know a lot of right a lot of stuff yeah a lot of stuff yeah so i mean like with all that as that has happened how people see it on the news now and stuff and where you're at where where do you see yourself going to because this like and PTSD that you're experiencing and this, un, this inability to um, to relate to civilians sometimes, um, it's affecting a lot of people, a lot of veterans that are coming back. Yeah, it's and are um, having to now you know rehabilitate into society. Yeah, and and also to go back to the the World War II analogy that people yeah. like to throw out is. I'm pretty sure on these numbers, but, you know, oh, I might be a little off. I guess during World War II, your average infantryman would see, thirty day, on average, 30 days of combat a year. Okay. In Vietnam, because of the introduction of the helicopter and just the way we fought, that jumped up to over 100 days of combat a year. Okay. And now with this current war, because we've lowered the size of sectors and are very, like, precise in what units are doing, it's that's just gone up, too. So the bigger war you technically saw less combat. Was it still brutal and vicious? Yeah. Absolutely. But it was also a, a way harder culture that our grandparents came from, like yeah. the depression. Like, right. Yeah. You know, there the, in the South, there were still two drinking fountains. Like, right. you know, like a gay culture was an underground unspoken thing. Right. Like, yeah. Fuck. If you said you wanted to be transsexual, you'd probably get institutionalized right. in 1940. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's all relative to the society that breeds these conflicts. So, and, but the more days of combat you add, it's like idling a car too long. If you idle a car too long, too hard, that the idle is not going to come back down. Like you're just going to wear that shit out. And, uh, we're just wearing dudes out. That's fine. Like I'm willing to do it. I'll do it all over again. I have no problem doing that. Um, and you'd be willing to accept the repercussions. 
that's fine. Yeah. Completely fine. Because if I don't, some 18 year old will do it and yeah. I'd much rather I've already done it. I'll do it again and yeah. suffer more. And you know, that dude doesn't have to. Yeah. It's also like, sometimes people say like, Oh, we should bring back the draft. Be like, no, like sometimes I think like, yeah, we should just so like, like everyone will have some idea and understand in it together kind of. But then I think about like, yeah. no, like we, we chose to do this. Like we can carry this burden without doing that. That's the point of having a, you want people there that want, want to be, to be that's there. the point of volunteer military. It's, you have the dudes that want to be fighters and they let you pick your job. Yeah. Like no one ever joins the army be like, well, I didn't know I was going to get this shitty job. Like motherfucker, they let you pick your job. There's like 280 jobs <laughs> and there's only like, hold on, infantry, artillery, cav scout, um, tanker, medic, military policeman, and special forces. There's seven jobs where you're going to probably directly see combat out of like 280. So be a fucking cook. Or like an HR representative, if you want to serve your country, but you you don't know if you want to fight. Yeah, there's only seven of them. I mean, dude, if those were odds at casinos, like seven out of two hundred and eighty, I'd be a fucking millionaire. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, I mean, two hundred and eighty. Yeah, you, you get what I'm. Saying. I got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, seven to. Yeah. If it was reversed, if you were, if it was seven out of two hundred eighty, you wouldn't gamble ever. No, no, absolutely yeah. not. If you're the casino and at seven out of two hundred eighty, you'd be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> but uh, as to shit like that, like you know, um, it's just hard to like, like if you want to talk to someone, like one of your friends, it's hard to like explain, like picking up pieces of your friends and putting them in a body bag. Which, it's actually not a body bag. On the tag, it's labeled pouch, comma, human remains. Pouch, comma, human remains. Which I always, I thought was kind of funny the first time I saw it. And then it became immediately not funny when, you when we actually them. had to use them. Yeah. Um, and just shit like yeah, that, that I mean, because, yeah, that stuff is, that's hard. To, first of all, it's hard to talk about. And you don't, like you said, you don't want to be the guy <laughs> yeah. bringing down the room. But at the same time, you're like, well, shit, man, I got to. And that's where I guess psychotherapy comes in. You know, an interesting thing that I've heard lately that has... God, dude, it's high. It's like 70 to 80% success rate is using MDMA. I, I read that. MDMA supported like as a supplement where it's psychotherapy and it's like, it's regular psychotherapy. And then out of those like four sessions a month, one of them is MDMA supported. And it has an, an unbelievable. But I don't even know how to broach that because, like, anytime I don't think the VA does that, but I know they're doing study. They're really getting into it and they're trying to approach that with veterans, especially. There's just huge push on PTSD on like how do we solve this problem? Yeah, and it seems like those types of like um, those types of drugs seem to be having. Really well, that was the effects. original purpose. Is it was used for therapy? Yeah, right. Exactly. And then therapists yeah. were like, "This might be fun at you know my 60s and then, orgy and then the party." Ravers took over. Yeah, and then uh, and then yeah, it, it the rest got, is history. Yeah, got ruined like like weed, dude. Like weed, dude. I don't smoke weed. I don't like the smell. I'm not into it. Yeah. But you know, it's it's fucking weed. It yeah. shouldn't be a schedule one drug. Right, yeah. It's not the same it's up as heroin. With heroin and meth. Yeah. Dude, cocaine's only a schedule two drug. I know, because they use it for eye surgeries and it, it uh, And broken noses. And it constricts the capillaries, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah, like you um for like boxers used to use yeah. it like on swabs if they busted their nose. Yeah. And uh it's just, it's just ridiculous, dude. And like the old arguments for it, like uh the propaganda that went into making a schedule one in like the twenties or thirties, I forget which decade. But it was always newspapers about, um, like... William Hurst owned the newspaper. And it was because and of the, the, the hemp thing. Exactly. But also, the yeah. but the newspapers that would turn out reports of, like, 
you know, reefer crazed Negro yeah. sexually assault white woman. And, well, and oh they, my God. You know, they, <laughs> oh my Lord. They also changed it from an H to a J to make it look more Hispanic in marijuana. Yeah, it's just propaganda techniques and then people freak out and here we are 80 years later and it, I think it'll be legal in the next five years. I mean, federally. never mind that, you know, White Earp, everyone's, you know, favorite, like him and all those other like Western outlaw heroes yeah. and all that shit. Like you could just buy laudanum in the fucking like pennies catalog and essentially just drink liquid heroin. Like, yeah. Oh, I got a headache. Time yeah. for my bottle of liquid yeah. cocaine. That's good. Well, and now, so that's other kind of little tidbit I wanted to uh, uh, talk to you about um, before we close this up is. You hear a lot too about um, that. It's just like oh, you got a problem. Take this pill. I'm you not a big problem, fan. Take this pill. And but do you see that a lot with friends, or do you hear about that where it's just um, yeah. The uh, the army. Uh, when I first got home, we had to do our debriefing with mental health, and I was honest with them. Yeah. I didn't feel like I had a problem, but they tried to put me on these um, antidepressants, anti anxiety. SSRIs, medicine. huh? SSRI type of antidepressants. Um, this, I'm I'm not really sure. I do okay. know that it turned me into a zombie. Yeah. Um, it didn't make my dick stop working because it would still get hard, but then like I just couldn't like jizz. Really? And it was like horrible. It's like, it's like oh my op- god, the opposite of premature ejaculation. I'm super. I'm a super mature ejaculator, dude. Like evidently, <laughs> um, like it just made me like I couldn't think. Like yeah. I couldn't give the classes I needed to. Like I was just fatigued, so I stopped taking them. And then the VA tried to tried to do it again. I'm just like, no, dude. Like, well, we'll prescribe it. Just try it. And it's been sitting in my on my shelf. Okay. I'm just like, I'm not doing this. My buddy, who just got out of the Marine Corps, he uh, he got prescribed stuff, and he's been taking it like he was told. But, dude, like, the side effects, like, he'll get nauseous. Like, he takes it and gets nauseous. Like, it's like, dude, like, I have a fucking migraine now. So it seems like the side effects, I don't see any benefit. He seems the same. Right. But now it's just, like, making him sick and making him throw up. Yeah. Like a sick cat. And it's like, just stop with this shit, dude. Yeah. Like... Yeah. No, it's interesting, man. There seems to be a lot of, there's just, yeah, there's a lot of alternative techniques now it seems that, that I've heard about for veterans particularly because it's such a prevalent problem now. Dude, back to that fucking hippie girl that I used to date. Yeah. She, she hit me up uh, about a year ago. I was like, oh, uh-huh. if you ever having any problems, I have this really good spiritual healer. Uh-huh. And all I imagine was some dude with dreadlocks, like fat as fuck sweating, like rubbing me <laughs> with a crystal. I'm like, no, dude, I heard of, dude, I heard of a Navy <laughs> SEAL on, uh, Jason, do, do any podcasts? Yeah. Uh, Aubrey Marcus has, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he had a Navy seal on, um, not someone that I pictured doing yoga and it's specific type of yoga that he now is like starting all these centers specifically. It's free for all, uh, military veterans. And apparently like it changed his life. He got put on the antidepressants, the VA fucked him over all this shit. And I forget the specific type of yoga, but it's like this, you know, holistic love yoga. This is a Navy, Navy seal did like four um, deployments and it's just someone that I listen to. And I'm like, this is not a dude that I picture doing yoga. And you know, apparently it's miraculous for some of these guys. I'm glad that worked for him, but he, here's my immediate thought yeah. is usually people that are super happy and they do yoga. And it seems like a positive thing. We're already that person before with more of like the grateful dead, like hippie leanings. Okay. And I wonder what type of dude he was before the Navy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of people join the military and you would never know who they were beforehand. Like, no, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, like, I'm glad it works. Like, different stuff works for different people. Oh, like, um, 100%, man. I, yeah. Like, reading, reading calms me down. Like, uh, just saying, like, I'm wondering if the, the yoga, like, actually does something, like, holistically good, like, maybe releases some sort of endorphin, or if it's just, like, that concentration. Mm hmm. Like, uh, like, you know, like, uh, cleaning guns. Yeah. I like shooting, but yeah. it, it relaxes me because it's, you know, uh, um, 
totally. menial task and I'm just doing something and yeah. you know, smoking and having a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to try anything. Uh, probably won't grow a man bun and wear yoga pants though. But, <laughs> I, mean, I don't wear yoga pants. I just occasionally do yoga. Eat Nutella and wear yoga pants. I don't know, dude. I don't know how you don't like Nutella, man. I'm just, I'm joking. It's okay. I don't know why I'm picking on Nutella today. I just... <laughs> Um, yeah, well, um, shit, man, it, we've already been, uh, going for an hour and a half here. Um, I'm going to wrap it up, but just fucking awesome coming. I know we, we just met dude and, but you coming here and sharing it, whether 10 people, I usually get a few hundred to a thousand people that hear every episode, but if 10 people hear it or 10 million and down the road, like your story has power. You know what I mean? Right. You sharing it. <laughs> with people so oh. they get and the truth man the truth will set you free man <laughs> wow that's a man bun coming out <laughs> <laughs> no but it's, it's cool man so i really appreciate you coming and sitting down and i'll do this again and chatting man yeah request for that would love to dude i'm gonna be around for the next like month or two maybe um, I'll, I'll open up with more specific stories yeah dude love to that. yeah i like to keep it you know an hour hour and a half and then uh i would love to have a part two i'm All sure right. the listeners would too. For me. let me know uh who gets on here and and comments like, oh, this fucking faggot. <laughs> Something like that. I don't think anybody will. I don't know. I would. If it was some <laughs> dude on here who's like, oh, as a Marine veteran, I'd probably like comment like, yeah, I like the Marine Corps because they're only like, the Army and the Marine Corps have the most in con because they both have infantry. But yeah, it's just yeah, weird. Yeah. Like, our infantry's better. No, ours is. But it's really like, yo, like the same, like two twins arguing about who's the better twin. Right, like, yeah, yeah. get the fuck out of here with yeah. that. Um, but yeah, if it was some like, I don't know, just because I like all the branches, everyone like I'm a big fan of everyone does their own, but everyone has their part from the logistics dude to the SEAL to the Air Force <clears> PJ, <throat> yeah. Marine Infantry, Army Infantry, whatever. Everyone has a job. Yeah. 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 And all that matters is you do your job. No job's better than any other one. Like there's definitely more badass jobs like Green Berets have a really badass job and, you know, SEALs and Marine Force Recon. They have badass jobs. I love my job, but it's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So back to my joke if it was like an air force you'd be like oh, i was an air force mechanic be like, fuck this guy he went to manis and had beers and had some like desert girlfriend with big floppy ass air force the chair, kids the chair force oh god yeah. <laughs> well that's for the, i think that's for part two. Oh yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> all right thanks zach yeah no problem yeah. thank you i don't know why i'm taking your hand i'm gonna run off